Welcome to another episode of Seven Questions, the podcast that aims to bust through the myths and drill down into everything property investment. I'm Sarah, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at our own property predictions at Seven Capital. With a homegrown content and research team constantly monitoring the UK market, analysing trends and forecasting future growth based on lots of key social, economic and geographical factors, many of which we've discovered in other episodes within this series, today we're going to delve into what we've previously predicted, how we come to those conclusions, whether we were right or not, and what our current predictions for the future are. And joining me to do this today is our Head of Content, Tom Hudson. Welcome, Tom. Hi there, Sarah. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about you and what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so as the Head of Content, it's my role to ensure that we're constantly monitoring the market, uh, performing any necessary research and helping inform our, our readers or listeners, I guess, with um, the research they need to make a good investment. Uh, some of that takes the form of written content, which we have a series of guides that we like to uh plug every now and again um, and that covers a lot of different locales and concepts that you can take into your own investment. Fabulous so it's lots of data heavy stuff. It is yeah lots of numbers. Brilliant okay so let's jump straight into this then. So let's go back to the start of 2020 before the pandemic so before we had any idea of what was to come what were our predictions then and given no one could have predicted the last 12 months or very few could have anyway um, did we hit the bullseye on any of those predictions? Yeah, so as you can imagine, there's been a mixed response to our predictions with what has happened. But um, yeah, there's been some pretty close ones, I think. Uh, The big one for us, our headline 2020 prediction, was that Birmingham would lead the way for growth. Um, So, you know, driven by all of the development that's happened in Birmingham with new um, mixed space, uh, HS2 and the Commonwealth uh, coming up, we predicted that it would lead the way and it would be the best market for property price growth. Um, thankfully, that did come true. Uh, and, you know, it's continuing now. It's It kick-started a lead in 2020 that's sort of been happening since 2016, really, since the Brexit vote, as the regional cities have uh, overtaken London. Uh, Birmingham has led the way for that. And that's set to continue over the next four years as well, apparently. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. We've certainly seen that, haven't we, over recent headlines. So at the point of recording this, it is April in 2021. And we've had lots of great headlines in some of the national newspapers on how great Birmingham is doing at the moment, how much the demand for city living is. We've seen figures from Rightmove recently on how much city living, how much um, rental demand is growing now for city living after we had this so-called exodus and Birmingham's certainly one of the strongest in there isn't it yeah for sure okay so we've covered that what predictions came close but didn't quite hit the mark um so one of the big ones is we predicted a release of pent-up demand now that is something that is talked about a lot but it's not for the reasons that we expected. So we thought that after Brexit and the four years of waiting uh, to see what would happen, we, you know, predicted that there would be some demand after certainty returned to the market. Uh, And now, while there was a a release of pent-up demand, it was due to the pandemic, which, as you said earlier, no one could have predicted. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's encouraging that even with such challenging um, factors within the market, uh, we have seen such a huge response after lockdown. People 
you know, dis- discovering that they haven't got the space or they're looking for something uh, a bit more affordable. Uh, you know, as people are working from home, they need that space and they might be spending more time at home. So yeah, uh, we've seen a lot of people going to places like Rightmove. Uh, they've seen some record-breaking numbers on their site and um, yeah, people are looking to, to move almost or at least choose somewhere different to rent. Um, another one that we saw actually that was quite close was um, the uh, early signs that a Boris boost, as it were, would boost London back to the top. Um, now, that was at the start of 2020, coming out of the general election. Uh, we didn't really see that mainly because of lockdown. So um, lockdown, we say, had other plans and, you know, London, London's recovery was quite stunted, uh, still is now. Um, and while the regional cities have managed to continue on their way, London has sort of struggled and you can't ever count London out. So we do expect it to be back probably as early as next year, I imagine. But um, yeah, that was something that we predicted would happen uh, a lot sooner. Yeah, we are starting to see the recovery of London though a little bit, aren't we? We are st- starting to see it take its first kind of uptick in movement I suppose because as you say it did suffer more but it is starting to it's almost a rebalance isn't it because you're seeing the regions the regional um regional cities kind of moving upwards and if you look at Birmingham as well I mean it has to be said we're a massive city it's it's a huge city there's loads of potential there's lots of demand if you look at the prices I read something the other day and it's basically saying you've got these strange things where you've got some of the southeast market it is way more expensive than Birmingham but Birmingham is one of those big hitters so it's kind of only natural that you're seeing the demand increase up here as everything grows with it um so it's kind of nice to see a slight balancing out I suppose for sure and yeah while London was having that incredible um growth period between like you know uh, 2009 after the crash but before 2016 say it's almost like you know seven or eight years of they had that almost 50 percent growth uh the regional cities were sort of biding their time and building themselves up they're starting their big city plans birmingham in particular sort of bided its time waited a little bit and then has sort of almost come to the forefront now as you say and taken the lead and it is nice to see that because it gives investors a lot more um variation and a chance to diversify and i guess those at the lower end of the scale who've got less to invest it gives them an earlier entry point because that's a stumbling block isn't it for a lot of people and it's why you've got so many first-time buyers that can't even get onto the ladder just because it's expensive to get into there but once you're in you're as in. long as you're doing it properly you're yeah in. for sure yeah absolutely okay did any completely miss the mark any of our predictions yeah so um one of the things that we we spoke about um last year was interest rates uh, obviously that has a huge effect on the market as a whole um, we expected that they'd largely move around in relation to to brexit and all of the different factors that that would have would uh, impact interest rates instead what happened again down to covid was that that sharp drop right to 0.1 percent or it was more staggered than that right but it ended at 0.1 percent of march 2020 and it's still there now um And that was something that we, I don't think we could have ever predicted, but, you know, we'll hold our hands up and say we weren't close with that one. Um, There is talk of the negative interest rates. Um, Personally, I'm not sure that would happen, but I do think they will stay low because it is helping stimulate the the market alongside things like the stamp duty extension. Absolutely. And I think it's probably fair to say that had the pandemic not happened, there is a chance that our predictions could have been right. All right, so let's move on to 2021 then. So we've gone through... What we've looked at in the past, what's been what's been right, what's been wrong, and you know, like you said, it's been difficult for anyone to predict exactly over the last year. We're still seeing the likes of Savills and like Frank 
adjust, readjusting and readjusting their predictions even now. Yeah, sure. So um, it's something obviously that evolves and you have to keep looking at it. But what investment trends do you think we're going to see in 2021? Yeah, so there's a few that are sort of coming to the forefront or are, are having more of an impact with the change in uh, tenant demands that we're seeing. And one of the big ones is uh, the rise of co-working spaces. So that is a direct response to the pandemic, right? And, um, you know, as people's attitudes to work in shifts and we see more flexible working or remote working, you know, subsequently uh, the, the having the need of a, a space to work in that is not necessarily the office is vital. Um, I think developers have picked up on that. So it's a trend that we're seeing that developers are including uh, co-working spaces in their developments. I think that's something that had already started pre-pandemic, hasn't it? But the pandemic's just kind of catapulted it. It has, yeah, accelerated it. I think we were seeing it a lot in city centres particularly, not necessarily residential. I think it was just starting out, but in city centres it was huge. You have businesses like WeWork and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. As the, the pandemic took a hold, uh, it accelerated the need for it closer to home almost and having that on your doorstep um and you know that's it's it's useful for both uh, residents and developers and investors even um you know uh, investors have um another sort of luxury that they can use to market their development uh, or their, their their investment um you know it, it helps residents have more accessibility so you you know you're showing something that other developments might not have and mm -hmm. that can potentially play a, a part in mitigating void periods, which as we know, is every investor's sort of nightmare. So having these sort of facilities that people are actively looking for can, can help your investment. Something else we've seen is the rise of gyms, right? Which is very similar to co-working spaces in that it's having that accessibility and residents are looking for that in, the, in, their, in their home almost. Um, well-being is huge with the, the millennial demographic. Um, and so more and more uh, people are health conscious and they're looking for the facilities such as gyms um, and again for investors having that amenity to hand is just a huge boost for yourself uh, because you can market your your investment um, to a wider audience it's a convenience factor isn't it and in this day and age more and more every everything's so instant you look at twitter you look at instagram all the social media channels um, this podcast i want to listen to it and i want to listen to it right now so i expect it on demand it's just that kind of thing that kind of that's how the youth of today, gosh, I sound old. That's how the youth of today are growing up, though. That's how everyone's growing up. That's what we're getting used to. And it's that convenience. People are busier as well. So if you can get up in the morning or get home straight from work and go straight into that gym and you don't have to travel any distance, it just make you've got no excuse. It makes it easier to nip in, nip out. Your shower's there because it's you can have a shower in your own flat, in your own home. It's all these kind of things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the co-working spaces, that goes with it too. So Yeah, yeah it's as we see the young professionals um, enter the market. You know, it's the major, um, they're a major part of the rental market. They're one of the biggest demographics within it. And as you say, they're busy. Uh, a lot of these people are working long hours and they do have like having that convenience of something close to hand. Um, so that is a massive part of it. I think um, another sort of trend that we've seen that has been uh, exacerbated by the pandemic is the, the exodus of the, the city centres. Um, now, we've spoke about this sort of at length um, on the, on, in our blogs and on our guides, but I think the, the crux of it is that, yes, remote working has removed the need for a commute or transport links uh, to a degree, but 
you know, people don't move to the city just for work. They don't move just for one thing. Mm-hmm. Cities can offer uh, something that necessarily um, rural areas can't, you know, just the nightlife, the amenities, again, the convenience of having something to hand. And the social um, aspect as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Just having people around you. Yeah, for sure. Just being able to meet up with friends quickly yeah. and not having to, to travel out of your way. Um, and I think what our research has shown is that, you know, to return to that sort of urban-rural split that people have been expecting to happen you'd need to have something like 1.5 million new homes uh, in these rural areas to you know which is one third of the current rural market so Mm -hmm. it's unlikely that's going to happen but i think what we will see is people redistributing around cities so um, birmingham again is a great example of that so areas such as the jewelry quarter and digbeth um, it's more likely we'll still see people move to those areas um, where it's a bit more affordable uh, in terms of uh, rental and things like that, but you know they still have easy access to the uh, to the amenities that they're looking for. And I guess with that, that's probably why we're starting to see a bigger focus on greener cities, as well as you know obviously there's the whole sustainability aspect and trying to reach carbon zero by was it 2050 something like that. Um, but it's the green spaces that are increasingly important as well because it's all very well having these amenities, but you also need that space to breathe, I suppose, yeah. as well. Um, which, if we talk about Birmingham again, um, there's a huge focus on that, isn't there, in the next kind of big city plan? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Um, And then, finally, I think the last trend is, it's an oldie but a goodie, Uh, Mm -hmm. it's the transport links. So it's always important. And, you know, as, as I said earlier, remote working, is reducing the need for a transport link, but there's no denying the power that has in the um, in the market for attracting residents. And if you're an investor that wants to have consistent tenant demand, a transport link's an excellent way to do that. Um, data by Nationwide has shown that um, properties that are uh, 250 metres away or less uh, from a train station can attract something like a 9.4% property price premium exactly what an investor wants to hear exactly yeah exactly (laughs) what they want to hear you're paying a premium for the convenience aren't you it still comes down to convenience um, and accessibility and all that kind of stuff and even though we've got all the amenities to to hand for your tenant they still want to travel they still want to go to a different part of the country they still want to get to the airport or wherever it is or visit family so they still travel is still a huge part of your life absolutely and yeah for people who are working as well you know if people are working and they want to get to um maybe they have meetings somewhere or if they're looking to get to uh um you know airports things like that travel is still going to be vital even if remote working does take off and i think it will but transport links will never sort of go out of style okay so which let's go into areas then. So we've talked about trends in terms of amenities, what within developments we're going to look at. What kind of areas do we expect to perform in 2021? You've kind of talked about Birmingham. I'm guessing we're going to say Birmingham's going to maintain that kind of trajectory. Um, where else as well as Birmingham, do you think? Yeah, um, one of our sort of predictions actually was that um, London's sort of hampered recovery, as we call it, uh, mm-hmm. slowed by lockdown, as we said, would mean that the southeast would be... Um, would benefit from that um you know it's more affordable there is more green space as we mentioned uh that's obviously very attractive to people and you know a lot of people are leaving london because it is a very expensive market Mm -hmm. um and so areas in the southeast big commuter towns uh, that have a sort of established links and the amenities to to match uh places like slough bracknell reading basingstoke these sort of areas that offer that sort of easy access to the capital but can still provide the um the amenities that tenants are looking for and the bonus i suppose of the kind of 
countryside surrounding them, yeah. the access to some really, really great kind of touristy areas, such as you've got Windsor, Windsor, sorry, you've got Windsor Castle, you've got Legoland, all of those extra bits, Ascot. Yeah, for sure. They're all beneficial, aren't they? People love to go there. I mean, Legoland should be a draw for anyone. Right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think that should be the big one. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You've got sort of everything that the tenants are currently looking for as the demands have, ch- have changed with the pandemic, the southeast can offer that. Um, and again, that was something we predicted last year. And thankfully, um, you know, that has come true because, again, it's just another example of moving away from the traditional established hotspots and having these emerging markets that can offer investors some diversity. I guess you can't actually, we haven't touched on this actually, but you can't, it's worth noting that actually some of these places that, you know, some people might not have heard of Bracknell, but it's home to some of the hugest tech businesses down there it's in a massive tech hub um slough's got the biggest trading estate so it's all about jobs as well isn't it it comes down to employment too so you can't discount those you can't just look at london as the place anymore even though it's always going to be important and it has to stay that way because it's such a global leader um but the kind of knock-on effect or the kind of domino effect on the outer areas is you've still got these great huge like global businesses come into those as well which helps with the attraction too we do a lot of research into sort of places like Bracknell as you say because they are attracting um such big names and I think I can't remember the exact quote I don't want to misquote him but Boris said something um last year about it being the epicenter of free trade trade. or global trade right and um it's because Bracknell has this or it's well it is sorry it isn't has it is the the cornerstone of uh UK tech um so you have huge names there big brands that are attracting sort of Britain's best and brightest and the young professionals and they want somewhere to live and this pops up on our radar right you see that there's so many opportunities somewhere in the southeast and it, it there's a good reason for that yeah and that is all that is everything that a, an investor needs to consider it's yeah. what's there now and what's going to be there in the future and what's going to be the draw in the future and it's everything you've just kind of mentioned isn't it for sure yeah i think that is that's a great point it's something that you know you need to have that long-term outlook if you're just thinking short term and you're thinking wow everyone's moving to the countryside um that's not going to probably help your investment you need to think in the short term in the short term what can i do in the pandemic that's going to make me feel better oh i'll move there if you're a renter actually you can understand why because you sign a six-month contract, yeah. you might want to move back in six months, and we're starting to see that again. I think we are, yeah. And as you say, um, these people will uh, are choosing to move back. And as, a, as an investor, you've got to think, right, what is this place going to look like in five years, in ten years? What is my investment going to look like? And, yeah, I think um, ch- thinking about sort of regeneration rather than short-term trends is a great way of achieving that. Definitely. Okay, so finally, what predictions are we expecting for kind of beyond 2021? Yeah, um, I think the stamp duty land tax in, uh, extension, obviously okay. that has been extended till uh, September. Um, at a reduced rate. At a reduced rate, yeah. So there's yeah. two phases. Um, and I think that that will help continue the momentum. Uh, I think there was a lot of worry uh, in the market that, you know, at the end of, of March, that um, the, the holiday being over would mean that it would grind to a halt. We haven't seen that. Whether that is down to the stamp duty being extended or you know other factors, I think, is up for debate. But really, it's all contributed still to this, uh, this window of opportunity where prices continue to rise. I think the average UK price uh, at the time of recording hit around 327,000. Uh, so obviously that's huge. Um, and yeah, I think that the, the bubble hasn't burst yet, as many predicted it would. And to be honest, I would personally suggest that um 
if we continue at this rate, I don't think it will. I think you'll have momentum from your natural uh, um, uptick in the cycle, like the property cycle that we always see around this year of people thinking about moving on top of the pent-up demand. So that will probably continue. Again, as we mentioned in the sort of locale section, I think that London's slow recovery will benefit the southeast. Um, you know, people, uh, sort of big PLCs, have been revising their forecasts and the southeast uh, has moved from... Um, 14.8% expected growth by 2025. That's um, improved to 18.5%. So these sort of southeast areas are, um, uh, are st- continuing to improve with London's slow recovery. Again, the, the last one is probably like supply and demand will still play a huge part in the market. Uh, it's possibly, arguably, the biggest driver of um, what happens in the market is the supply and demand and it's what makes an investment property work isn't it it's what makes it makes buy to let work and if you look at the pandemic and the fact that everything had to slow for a while I was personally looking at um, some figures and I won't try and guess them because I can't remember them off the top of my head but there is a bigger deficit because everything slowed so much last year so and every year there's a bit of a deficit so the need grows every year absolutely and in these key areas, you know, this, the demand continues to rise. So as you say, you've got this demand, uh, this supply that is is decreasing um, just because of external factors, as we said. But this uh, this demand isn't decreasing. That is, mm. it's almost it's it's increasing actually, and people are choosing to um, go to these bigger areas because of the regeneration and the redevelopment and the amenities that we've we spoke about earlier. So yeah, we expect that um, you know. Uh, supply and demand will continue to play a huge factor, especially with the sort of chronic undersupply that the UK still has in these key areas. Um, and then lastly, we can't not talk about Birmingham once more because it, it is the best place on earth. <laughs> it's uh, where Seven Capital, it's where Seven Capital lives, right? In London right? as well, of yeah. course, which is, you know, another reason we can't discount London. No, not just because we've got headquarters down there, but oh, yeah. you, have to, you have to have a base down in London. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, we are global, but we do love Birmingham. We've got a soft spot for the place. And yeah, I think... Um, it's not biased to say that Birmingham, with the Commonwealth Games coming up, will continue to lead the way. It's going to be huge for the city. Um, you know, the, the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games had a tremendous impact on that region. And I think Birmingham is in a fantastic place to really showcase its appeal. Um, as you say, the news is already sort of kicking in. The, the news, um, the media engine is already kicking in for Birmingham we've seen a lot of good news about it and I think that is directly because of the Commonwealth it's being drawn into the spotlight and it's in a great place to do that because it's transforming and over the last 10 years it's changed immeasurably I think the last 20 years I would yeah, say yeah, even so. it's um I have to say Birmingham's a very different place from when I came here in uh, for university I'm not going to tell you how many years ago because <laughs> that would give away my age but um, it felt like yesterday, but it wasn't. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, it's it's got those foundations. And I think the Commonwealth will solidify yeah. those foundations. And then, you again, then you've just got things like HS2 in the future that will just send it to another level, I think. Absolutely. Well, London will just be down the road, won't it? Well, that, yeah, that's when it. When that arrives, we'll all be We'll all be even more connected than before. Absolutely. Okay, well, thanks a lot for that, Tom. That's been really, really good. Um, Really good to actually chat openly about how we at Seven Capital approach the market, um, what we analyse and measure, and how we go about reaching those kind of well-researched predictions that we come up, because everyone sees what we're predicting, and we we put a little bit of reasoning out, but we don't really talk about how much detail we go into. So I think that's been really good. If anyone would like to read up on our market predictions, either in the UK as a whole or specific areas such as Birmingham or the London commuter belt, like we've mentioned uh, earlier on, um, just head to sevencapital.com and look under investor resources.
Now, as with all other guests, it's time to push property aside for the final part of this episode and learn a bit about the man behind the mic. So, I think, Tom, you know how it goes by now. You have five seconds to tell us what you'd choose if you could only have one of each of the following for the rest of your life. So a little bit like Desert Island Discs. Okay. But it's not Desert Island Discs because that would be a rip-off of Desert Island Discs. So it's one of each for the rest of your life. Fantastic. Not necessarily on a desert island. You might say five and five. Five and five. Love yeah. that. Do a Legally five distinct five. Desert Island Discs. There we go. So you're five and five, Tom. One. The first one. Your music album. Um, Arctic Monkeys, whatever people say, I'm the first one. I love that album. It's got some absolute bangers on it. it. It's fantastic. Okay, number two. One meal. Um, I'm going to go really basic. I'm going to go with a large, big, tasty meal from Mackie D's. I can't... I, it's terrible, but I cannot get over my love for them. They're fantastic. A junk food uh, connoisseur. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing, but yeah, let's go with it. It is now. It is now. Uh, number three. One film. Um, the Departed. So uh, Martin Scorsese at his best. Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know if I've seen that one. A big recommend. It's, okay, it's I'll have excellent. I'll put that one on my list. Yeah. Okay, uh, number four, TV show. Um, oh, The Wire. Okay, that's another one I haven't watched. This is quite handy for me because yeah. I'm learning things that I haven't watched. Okay, The Wire's a slow burn, but it's one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. Well, it is, in my opinion, the best thing on TV. Okay, I would go with Line of Duty personally, but you know. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for Line of Duty. <laughs> I am a big fan. Okay, and finally, one luxury item. Um, my bed. If I'm going on a desert island, legally distinct desert island, I want a bed and a big mattress. We didn't say it was a desert island, but you know. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'm going to stick with that. Okay. It can be a very luxurious bed. It doesn't Good. necessarily have to be mine, but I want to be able to sleep well. Do you know what's going to be a shame though? No one. Everyone's named what music album or TV show or film they would watch. No one has mentioned that their luxury item would be a TV. That is a good point. So they've got all these things, but can they watch them? You'll have to act it out yourself. <laughs> Get a volleyball. I'm getting a bit too uh, too into it there. Anyway, that wraps us up. So thanks very much for that. No problem. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. Please check out the other episodes in our Seven Questions podcast series. And if you have any burning investment questions that you'd really like to hear covered on Seven Questions, then please let us know. In the meantime, do give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a review. Now, we couldn't end uh, Seven Questions Without asking Sarah the, the, the vital five, we want to know yours, Sarah. Um, so I'm hijacking this segment now. Um, I'm, I've gone rogue, but I'm going to ask you what you want your five to be. So this is Sarah Morris's Five in Five. So difficult. You do realise I've had seven episodes to consider this and it doesn't get any easier, so... That's the point. Oh, music album, music album. Oh, it's a toss-up between Joss Stone, and I can't remember which one it is, 
Well, that's Basically, not that's not good enough. I like I like stuff that I can sing to, and I like so much stuff. Okay. Um, so it's either Joss Stone, and I think it might be a first album, or Lenny Kravitz. Um, that's an out there choice. Probably, probably Lenny Kravitz. I can't remember what the album album's called, but it's the one which has got um, "I Want to Fly Away." Okay. Fly yeah, away yeah. Cool. Let's go. An American Woman. Fantastic. So let's go with that one. Let's go with that one. I like that. Okay. What's next? Is it film? What's your favourite film? So, what's what film are you taking? I don't know how many times I could watch it in a row <laughs> without getting sick of it, but Labyrinth has always been one of my favourites. Oh, okay, that's a classic, though. And it's uh, stemmed an obsession with David Bowie ever since. I think so. it did for most people, yeah. right? If you've seen that, yeah, for sure. Uh, meal? Uh, roast dinner, Sunday roast. Beef. A little bit pink in the middle. Excellent. Perfect um, roasties, and it has perfect to have the best uh, Yorkshire puddings. The best Yorkshire puddings. Right, okay. Um, TV series? I'm going to say Line of Duty because it's just on the top of my head and I'm loving it at the moment. Who's your uh, favourite character in Line of Duty? Oh, now I don't know. It, if it's not, if your answer's not Ted, then you're not living. I do Sarah. like Ted, but he annoys me at sometimes. But really? they all annoy me at times. <laughs> it is, it is, it's a, it's a <laughs> gripping programme. It's pretty it intense, right? Okay. Um, and then the last one, your luxury item. You've had seven people suggest what they would take, but what are you taking? I am stumped on this one. See, I want to say a pair of Jimmy Choo's, but I don't actually own a pair, so I can't count that. I and feel also, like that's very impractical. what are you going to do? If I was on a desert island, it's not going to happen, is it? So, I'm thinking, probably, my laptop, can I, link, can I have a microphone linked up to it? I'm going to have my laptop. Yeah. Because I can do, I like my singing, I like a bit of recording, I like a bit of presenting, as I'm sure you've noticed. You can watch your TV on it, you can listen to music on it, so it's kind of an all-in-one. How are you going to charge it? It'll be solar-panelled. Excellent. Powered. We're, there we go. <laughs> You've invented a solar-powered laptop as well. We love that. Excellent. Actually, just uh, let's copyright that idea, patent that idea right there. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might edit that out um, so we don't have that out <laughs> yeah. in the wild. Uh, okay, thanks, Sarah. And that, this was me hijacking uh, five, five and five. I appreciate it. No worries.